Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, along with my co-host, Rachel Santizo. I am blown away, Rachel. Two weeks ago, we had Sherry Moreno on, and she and the podcast reached thousands of people. We got 46 new followers, permanent followers. So it's like, I, I, I mean, she's great, but I think we've had great guests all along. I, I don't know what struck a nerve. Do you have any idea? Ooh, I think it's that, that empowerment, right? Like she spoke from her heart and really laid a foundation what it's like being in prison and changing your life around. Like she is that exact example that we all want to learn and see from. And so right. ooh, good for her. So we thank you all for watching. This is one of the most watched podcasts dealing with addiction and recovery. And you can, you can catch us on, you can watch it on YouTube. All you have to do is Google Odyssey House Journals and it'll take you there. Or you can listen on Spotify, iHeart, iTunes, anywhere where you can get good podcasts. And we urge you to subscribe if you want, and then they'll let you know every week that, uh, that, uh, that we are here and we are out with a new one. So, and I always ask you, Rachel, I, it's, it's great because it's the only time I feel like I can be a dirty old man and say, uh, Rachel, what are you wearing today? Well, Randall, thank you. Uh, <laughs> my shirt today says no more. And what it is, is it stands for sexual assault, rape, like educating and using your voice and speaking out. So to me, this shirt really represents um, us standing and using our voice for things that need to be heard. And especially when it comes to sexual assault and rape, like it is very prevalent and it causes a lot of trauma in life. And so the more we speak up, the more that we can heal together. And the, and the important aspect of that is if somebody says that happened to him or her, uh, right. is to believe that person and not try to shame someone saying, well, were you wearing a short skirt that day or something like that? Oh, yeah. Well said. Like it's not it's not inviting for someone to take advantage of you. There's no invitation for that when somebody when somebody actually just comes in to take that advantage, absolutely not. Like you have no right if I don't give you consent, period. Well, that's a good message to impart. And, and, and we shouldn't have talked about how well Sherry Moreno's podcast did because it puts pressure on our guests this week. Hopefully uh, this podcast will do just as well, but I think this person can handle the pressure. Who do we have? He absolutely can. So I'm super honored. Micah Niles is who we have today. And, and I've known Micah actually for years and I've seen him progress and he has similar um, situations to Sherry. And so bringing this stuff out, I'm so excited for him to be on here and he's definitely going to step up to the plate for sure. So Micah, why don't you join our podcast here? Hit that audio. There you go. Hi, Micah. Hi, Micah. Uh what, I, I've got to. I've got to start out by asking you, what does the the sign behind you, acceptance, mean? Uh, you know, acceptance is this. This was actually in my office when I got here, and it just made sense for me. Um, you know, for for a guy like me, acceptance is the key to all things. Um, you know, I, I I absolutely had to accept and uh, and surrender um, to you know, to, to my circumstances, uh, you know, to, to the life that I had lived. Um, and so it, it just made sense. It just made sense. 
And, and you know, that's one of the hardest things. Rachel and I are both in recovery as well. Uh, my, my issue was that I was a functional alcoholic for a long, long time. And after I went through treatment and started going to AA meetings, one of the hardest things for me was to say, I, I'm an alcoholic. I mean, it was like, you know, at an AA meeting where you say, hi, I'm Randall and I'm a, yeah, I'm a, and it was really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I, I think that, uh, ego begins to kick in and, uh, you know, it's, it's really tough to, uh, to let that piece go, um, and, and invite, uh, other people, and for me, a higher power into my life and, and, and allow that to work for me. Um, when I found recovery or when recovery found me, I should say, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I was the guy who thought that I was in control of my destiny. I thought that I was the guy that, you know, could, could handle things. And I had told myself many, many, many times that, I was just going to stop, you know, uh, um, you know, and, and I remember when I was younger, it always was, I've got time, right? Like I'm having fun. I've still got plenty of time. I'm young. Uh, next thing you know, uh, I'm, I'm in my thirties and, and I didn't, I didn't have any more time, you know? And, and, and so, yeah, that was the case for me. So tell us, so tell us your story, Micah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I grew up here in Utah. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I grew up with my mom and my two sisters. I, I, I never had a dad. Uh, I've never met my real father. And, and it didn't really matter to me when I was a kid, you know. Um, you know, my, my insecurities and where things all uh, kind of took a turn for me was when I was eight years old. Uh, I went to the same school and had the same group of friends, you know, all the way through third grade. And in third grade, we moved. Um, and, uh, you know, my mom did the best she could. She had multiple jobs. She was just trying to provide for us. Uh, and, you know, we moved and I was, I, I, for the first time in my life, I felt insecurity. Um, and I, I was, I was bullied quite a bit. And then from that first move, we just kept moving around and moving around and moving around. Um, you know, I went to multiple schools in elementary school and we just weren't stable. We just couldn't find stability. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I really struggled with this acceptance piece of, you know, not fitting in. Um, you know, I, I, I got along really well with the girls and just really struggled to, to, to find a, a group of, of, of guys and that's all I wanted. I remember that's all I wanted. I just wanted friends. Um, and we ended up moving to a wonderful place uh, called Rose Park. Um, and, uh, and, and across the street, there was a group of guys playing football in, in the street. Um, and I was always good at sports. Like that was always something that, was, that I was good at. And I remember, I, I remember being a little kid and I stood on my front porch throwing my football in the air, just hoping that they would invite me to come play. Like that was, <laughs> I, I'll never forget. And, and they did. Um, and unbeknownst to me, as a, at the time I was nine years old, uh, I was in fifth grade. Um, and uh, I remember them inviting me to come play. And unbeknownst to me, they were, 
they were, you know, they were a little bit of a rough crowd. You know, they were into drugs and alcohol. They were all older than me. They were all 15, 16 years old. Um, and, and you were nine? And I was nine. I was nine, wow. nine about to turn 10. Um, I was in fifth grade and, and uh, but, you know, they invited me to come play and I was, I was decent at football. And so I just kind of, I fell in and, and these guys treated me like their little brother and they were all, you know, um, into gangs and drugs and alcohol and stealing and, 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 but none of that mattered because for a kid like me at that point in my life, I, I was, I was just, I was just so, uh, uh I was yearning for, for, for acceptance, um, and I found a crowd, I found a group of guys that, you know, that wanted me. And so I did everything they did. Um, I fell in with, with their lifestyle. Uh, I began smoking pot and drinking. Um, and uh, I remember the first time that I smoked pot, uh, I was 10 years old. And, um, and I remember feeling freer than I'd ever felt before, like nothing mattered. Um, and I, and from that point on, at that young of an age, from that point on, I had, I had found an escape. I'd found the ultimate freedom from, from the chaos between my ears. I had found it, the ultimate freedom. Um, and from that point on, I, I, I did everything different than other people. I was the kid who couldn't get enough. I always had to be high. I was always, you know, I, I don't know how graphic you guys want me to get, but I was, you know, always the guy who was scrape, scraping the pipe and, you know, I just did it different than everybody else. Um, and looking back on that, I, I, you know, and I come from uh, a long lineage of alcoholics and, and addicts. And so, uh, you know, whether that was genetics or not, the, the reality for me was uh, I, 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 I was just different. I did things differently. I did things to the absolute uh, uh, extreme. And so that ultimately led into a life of crime, a life of harder drugs. Um, you know, the progression was, was very quick for me. Uh, and unfortunately, at the age of 15, I, uh, I caught my first felony. Uh, I stole some checks out of a car, uh, cashed it with my school ID, my junior high school ID, um, and, uh, and it was all in an effort to, to buy drugs. Um, and I ended up going to juvenile detention center and, uh, and that started my career in, um, in the, in the judicial system. Uh, you know, I went to multiple different programs as a teenager, um, you know, was, was, if I was home, I was on ankle monitor. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I you name it, I've, pretty much been there as far as uh, youth corrections and the juvenile system goes. And, uh, you know, it was just, that, that was just my life. You know, that was my life. And, and, and for me, it was almost like a badge of honor because it gave me this reputation of the bad guy. And I was so willing to take on any reputation because it gave me some, uh, you know, it gave me some, uh, uh, I, I don't know, it, it just, it, it gave me a, a place in, in the group of guys that I hung out with. I was the popular one because I was the bad boy. Um, I'm the king badass. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, everybody, you know, 
you know, everybody, that, that was my role in my group. That was my role. Uh, and, I, and I played that role very well. Um, you know, and, and, and at the age of 18, uh, I was released from youth corrections and uh, a, buddy, a buddy and I had this grand idea that we were gonna go start a new life in Las Vegas. Um, the problem was we didn't have any means to get there and we didn't have any money. So, you know, here we go, we steal a car and we take off to Las Vegas and I'm 18. Um, I was arrested in St. George um, on my way to Las Vegas. I'm arrested in St. George uh, in a stolen vehicle. We get in a high speed chase, we wreck the vehicle, we get arrested. Um, and because of my juvenile record, uh, the judge wanted me to go to prison and do uh, diagnostics. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but they used to have, I don't know if they still have it, but they have a diagnostic program where you go to the prison and um, they do a, a series of assessments and evaluations and kind of figure out what the next step is going to be for you. Uh, and I didn't last long because uh, I was also a fighter back then. Um, you know, I, I, that was also part of my reputation. Um, and so I got in a fight while I was in diagnostics, went and saw my judge and the judge decided he was going to send me to prison. So at 18, uh, right after being released from youth corrections, I ended up, uh, getting sent to the penitentiary. Um, and this was in 2001 and fast forward a couple of years. Um, I get out, I violate, go back, I get out, I steal another car, go back to prison I get out, I get arrested with a pistol and I get federally indicted um, and I go back to, to, to the feds. So uh, my, my career was, I, I, I've been to prison for uh, four different times um, and I, I got out of federal prison on March 22nd of 2010. And luckily I've been out since, right? Uh, you know, things are good, but you know, Randall, that that was not the end of my, uh, uh, you know, of, of my drug career by any means. Um, you know, I, I was the guy who on parole, on federal parole, I was able to make it by uh, and, and, and make it through my uh, federal probation because I was smoking spice and I was drinking every night. So I turned into a full-blown alcoholic uh, and a spice junkie. Um, because again, it was, you know, everything to the extreme and anything I can do to get out of here, uh, I, I was willing to do. Um, and, and, and so I, I, the worst thing, the best thing and the worst thing that happened uh, in 2013, I was released from federal probation um, and I immediately went right back to methamphetamines. Methamphetamines was always my, the ultimate escape for me. I was an IV user. Um, and, you know, just, just a, you know, just an absolute street urchin, you know, um, uh, you know, and for a few years from there, it was just, you know, living out of hotel rooms, homeless. I lived in Las Vegas for a while uh, on the streets of Las Vegas. Um, and, you know, j just, just as miserable as you can possibly get, you know, um, and uh you know, uh, uh, ended up moving back to Utah and, you know, it, it just, the cycle never ended. I would find a way to get out of that life for brief periods of time uh, and always find an alternative addiction. Um, it was always, 
you know, marijuana or pills. Uh, alcohol was always a constant as well. It was just always something. I was just so wrapped up in, in, in my fix, in some sort of fix, uh, you know, and, and um, man, it just never ended. So uh, what it was like now, what happened for me was um, I, I, now there's a very important part of my story. So my second parole uh, in 2000, or so, sorry, my first parole in 2002, I met my, I met a girl dragging State Street. I don't know if you, you know, I know that probably dates sure. me. Oh, you said drag State Street. Met a girl Chevron on, on State Street and Ninth South. And, um, you know, one of those drunk nights and um, uh, got her number and started hanging out with her. And so I, I met this girl. And the reason why that's so important is because that, that girl is now my wife. We had separated for many years, uh, parted ways. I went through my, yeah, I went through my, my prison career. She went to all kinds of different universities and, and did her own thing. Um, and we met up on the back end. We met at Thanksgiving dinner. I was at my sister's house and I was in one of those periods where I was really just trying to not go back into the hard drugs. I was always of the impression that if I was just drinking and smoking weed, that I was doing good. Like that's when I thought I was doing well in life. Uh, if I wasn't putting a needle in my arm, I was okay. Um, and, 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 you know, hindsight looking back, that just wasn't the case. But anyway, so uh, we meet at Thanksgiving dinner. She stayed friends with my family for all these years. I, uh, 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 we, we kind of, sparks kind of flew a little bit and, um, you know, I, I I, I somehow tricked her into letting me back into her life uh, and was living with her. And she watched me leave for weeks at a time, going out and just, you know, just destroying my life and in turn destroying hers. And, um, and so on, on one of these, one of these, you know, vendors that I was on, um, I, I, a series of events happened and uh, I found myself in a place where the people that I was getting high with, um, you know, real classy folks, right? <laughs> the people that I was getting high with told me that, uh, that I wasn't, that, that I couldn't be around anymore. They asked me to leave because I was so, I, I was just out there. I was just on a different planet. I get really weird. Um, and they asked me to leave that, you know, I was the guy that nobody wanted to be around. And, um, you know, and, and I remember taking a step back of the, from this situation and thinking, I'm the worst of the worst. <laughs> like I, I, I'm the worst of the worst. Like these people don't want me around like that. That's where I got. And, uh, I remember that was the first time in my egotistical life, that was the first time that I had considered committing suicide. It was the first time that I was, you know, the, the thought process for me was, what am I even doing? There's no hope, like, I can't figure this out. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. There, you know, nothing is gonna work for me. And um, I, just, I just don't wanna live anymore. I, I don't know how to live sober. That just doesn't make sense to me. Now I can't live in this world of getting high, right? Like I'm just, you know, I'm, I was just, I was just a lost cause. 
in my mind. Right, right back to where you were when you were younger, trying to find yourself. Right? Sure. Yeah. So kind yeah. Of brought that to fruition in your life today. Absolutely. Um, so my plan was was to kill myself. Um, and and I so I'm in a rental car. Um, ironically enough, that I had stolen from one of these people. When they asked me to leave, I I took one, the keys to one of the rental car and I took off. And that was just the kind of guy I was um, in survival mode. It was all about me, whatever I could get, however I needed to get it. Um, you know, nobody was safe. Um, and, and somehow, some way, and this is an absolute uh, higher power God thing for me because I ended up in the neighborhood of this girlfriend, right? I ended up in the neighborhood and I drove past her house and and I immediately had a moment of clarity and I, I sobered up in that moment. Um, and and I, I, I ended up parking the car around the corner. I, I unpacked all of my weird luggage and tweaker stuff onto her, onto her porch. And, Hi, honey. <laughs> yeah, and I knock on the door and she's like, get out of here. You know, I, I don't want anything to do with you. Get out of here. And I told her, I said, you know, call the police, charge me with trespassing because I don't, I, I don't want to leave here. Like, I, you know, and, and I, I fell asleep on my luggage on, on the back deck. Um, you know, just, just, I just surrendered. I was just like, whatever's going to happen from here is going to happen from here because I, I can't leave because um, I knew that I was in a very dangerous place um, mentally. I woke up inside to this ex-girlfriend telling me, pack a bag, uh, I was going to rehab. Um, and I was all for it, you know, like, what, what do I got to lose? You know, let, like, let's go. Uh, so ended up packing some stuff, um, you know, bless her heart. She, she, you know, she helped me get into a place. Uh, and, and from there, uh, I, I had a therapist there. Um, and this man absolutely saved my life. He, he, he absolutely saved my life. You know, I, I have no problem admitting today that I have a weird form of daddy issues because I never had a father growing up. I always, I always flocked towards males in my life that, uh, that I admired, right? I always wanted to impress them. I always wanted to, you know, there was just some, some, uh, you know, just some driving force to, 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 to have, uh, an adult, you know, a, a man in my life. Um, and, and he ended up being, um, he ended up being, that man for me. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and he told, you know, the things that we went through, the way that he helped me just unpack my craziness onto his table and sort through it all and, and, and prioritize things and, and, and figure things out and put it back in, in a way that uh, it provided me an awareness of who I had become over all of the years of, of, the chaos that I had created in my life, you know, and, and when you live that kind of life, when you do those that kinds of things, and you guys know this, it, you, you, you adopt all of these ways of interacting with people, of ways of interacting with yourself, of, of reacting to situations and people and things. And for a guy like me who'd been in, you know, been in prison, I was a, you know, tough guy. I, you know, I, I you know, like, I mean, I, you know, I was, I had this, you know, mantra of, of, you know, like, you, you know, you can't mess with me. I was just, a, you know, in my mind, I was just a tough guy. Um, and that, 
helped me in my survival mode throughout all of my addiction, right? I mean, that it, it, it served its purpose in the life that I was living. But in today's, in the life that I live today, that, that there's no place for that. There's just no place for that. Um, and so I really had to, the one thing that I, I really want to share in my therapy sessions um, is he asked me one day, he asked me to visualize the man that I was. He said, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to look at the man you are. Right, wrong, different, good, bad, ugly. I just want you to see it. Don't judge it. Uh, you know, just see who you are today. Um, you know, and then he said, what I want you to do now is I want you to visualize the man that you want to be. And I want you to, I want you to see this man that you want to be. He goes, and now our job, our challenge is to transfer who you are into who you want to be. Um, and for some reason that was magic for me because the man that I saw and I was in an Armani suit and I had a briefcase and whatever else, you know, whatever it was. Um, but I was trustworthy and I was honest um, and I had integrity. Um, and and, and I, 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 these characteristics that were so foreign to me that were so out of reach for me were fine. It was finally something that I could work towards. Um, and, you know, through a series of failures and a series of, you know, being frustrated with myself because I would still cling on to or, or, or uh, you know, I, I would still react in certain ways. But what happened was I was so hyper aware of, of those characteristics um, that I was able to catch myself and slowly but surely um, I, 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 I transformed, you know, I, I don't know how, I don't know how to say it other than I just I, I began to make one right decision after another, after another, after another. And I strung together a bunch of right decisions um, that, that, and, and magic started to happen. I just, I started becoming a different person. Um, Micah, do you think it's because he, you were able to put your ego aside and have a male figure in your life, just be able to express everything that you are and everything you want to be but somebody he actually saw you and listened and helped guide you like that that thing that you've been searching for since you were younger that is absolutely what it was um you know the 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 first step was vulnerability and asking you know another thing that he told me because i was i was in such shame about who i who i had become and all the things that i'd done i mean just this years and years and years of destruction uh, uh you know one thing that he said is um you know micah your best efforts at life your absolute best efforts given given it your all got you exactly where you are today your best efforts you, you know your best version of you got you exactly where you are today he's like and, and it, if that's not where you want to be then it might be a good idea to invite some people into your life that can help you get there um he goes and i can be that you know i can be one of those people for you he goes but i need you to invite me in you know that's not going to work unless you invite me into your life so so we only have about two minutes left micah can tell us what happened after that to where you are if you can do all that in two minutes obviously you got married your life's clean everything's wonderful yeah you know um uh i I, I got married. I got out of treatment. I asked my wife uh, to marry me. We ended up getting married. We got pregnant on our honeymoon. I have a beautiful <laughs> son. 
Um, you know, we've, we've, we've got a home. I'm, you know, director of marketing for, uh, for a large treatment center here in the state of Utah. Um, you know, it was just these baby steps to, uh, to, to number one, to freedom uh, from myself, uh, but, but also just, you know, surrendering to the fact that, um, I, I, so another big part of my story is I'm also a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, uh, I, I found a sponsor who had things in his life that I, that I strived for. Um, I invited him into my life and I worked the steps with that gentleman um, and, and, and felt a different kind of spiritual awakening through working the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And now I have the pleasure of having sponsees, taking them through the steps and getting, you know, it's, it's, it's this cycle. You guys know, you know, the, that song and dance, but it's, you know, um, you know, the, the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is absolutely my Bible. Um, and, uh, and it has, it has helped me create and manifest the life that I have today. And, and I'm just a regular guy, you know, I'm just a regular guy who goes to work every day and goes and plays on the weekend and, 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 you know, and gets to do cool things like this with awesome people like you guys. So no longer, no longer King badass, but now King, King, good guy. Man, I cry at Disney movies, Randall. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, don't let the tattoos fool you. I'm soft. <laughs> And it seems like everything that you were searching for, you, you finally found that right. And someone that was, that was guiding you in a good direction, but now you get to do it for others. And an important person is your son. Yeah. How incredible is that? All the things that you went through to be this, this human and this man that you are today. So proud of you. That's amazing. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And, And the most important thing is I can tell you love yourself now and you look very happy. I, I am. That's the biggest thing. Is is uh, you know it's it's the little things. Um, you know it's the little things. I I, I just finished a four day playground project of putting my putting a playground together for my son in our backyard, uh, and watching him play on it for the first time yesterday. It's just the little things, you know. Uh, uh, you know that the I don't know. Um, I- Life today is so simple, but there's such beauty in, in simplicity. So, and the chaos and drama are gone, which is wonderful. <laughs> We're all feeling that. And I get to laugh at it. You know, I get to have compassion for myself for all that stuff, and I get to laugh at it. I mean, it just it just is what it is. Micah, you've been a wonderful guest. I appreciate you appearing. Yeah, you. and you're welcome. This is Odyssey House Journals, but you work where? You can mention the name. What is it? I work at Steps Recovery Center. Okay, good. I, di- I didn't want to look like we're being, you know, we can't talk because recovery, wherever you go, yeah, there you go. All right. right. Thank you very much for being a great guest. And hopefully you'll get as many hits as Sherry Moreno got. Hey, one can hope. You know, <laughs> hopefully we reach people. Yeah, that's all it is. Right. My guess, thank you for being vulnerable and you became the man that you were always searching for and now you're living that example. So yeah. thank you for being on here today. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Micah. And thank you for watching Odyssey House Journals.